We found the hermit just as we had found him many times before, puttering around the odd little building he called home. Soon I believe the building had been there before him, but the hermit found it so long ago no one could tell for sure. How did we meet him? Well, the hermit had a few friends in a few settlements that he would reach out to occasionally whenever he needed something he couldn't make on his own. It was through one of these friends that we came to know him. The friend couldn't bring the delivery themselves, so they sent us instead. That was the start of a very friendly... Not quite friendship, but as close to friends as the hermit had. He told no one his actual name and said giving different names to different people. I just called him the hermit and he seemed to like that. It took a few years of deliveries for him to be comfortable enough to allow us into his home, which we of course did not abuse and risk having that offer rescinded. We would stop by on the rare occasion when we were in the area, so I hoped this visit would not be too upsetting for him. Turns out he was expecting us. Most of his belongings were already packed in boxes and ready to be loaded onto his little cart, and as we approached, I caught the telltale scent of tea drifting on the breeze. It was a delightful prue once you got past the strange, strange smell. Not that it was unpleasant, just made from ingredients the hermit would never disclose. Tea is ready. If you'll excuse me, the texts you need are on the table. You can pack them up when you are done. He was never one to waste words when that energy could be spent doing other things. He puttered around, packing up the last few things while we enjoyed our tea. James was taken aback by the smell, but when he saw us drinking it, he plucked up the courage to give it a taste. The druidess didn't hesitate to start drinking hers. Must have had it before, or something similar. We didn't know how long we would have, so we got straight to work. James and I focused on verifying and completing the translations, and copying the writings into two other journals so we could have a backup copy for ourselves and for the hermit. I considered helping Sam and the Druidess as they scoured the records the hermit left out to find any mention of his creation, but he had a much better understanding of that area of history than I, so I left them be and focused on the translating and transcribing. It was tedious work, but it gave me a chance to calm me swirling thoughts in my head, so I was grateful for it. We passed most of the evening this way, taking occasional breaks to stretch our legs or help the hermit with something. The research was done before the translation, so I had Sam double-check our work while I went to raid the hermit's garden. With his permission, of course. He cultivated several kinds of medicinal herbs that traveled surprisingly well, and given that he was going to be leaving soon, he no longer had need of his garden. He slipped me some packets of seeds containing some of his creations to plant whenever we found our new home. A small but precious gift, which I tucked carefully into my pack. You can actually 
see some of the plants growing out that window. By the time our work was done, it was getting late, so the hermit invited us to stay the night. There was not enough room in his home for all of us to stay, so we set up the tent just outside. He helped prepare dinner, adding his own blend of spices and other ingredients that smelled strange, but tasted wonderful. He also broke out some wine, which we drank heavily while he regaled us with tales of a world long since gone. His tales, as usual, were a mixture of myth and fact that played strongly into the mystery we were investigating. Sam chimed in with things he and the druidists discovered in their research. We had a few leads. Places that most likely wouldn't hold what we were looking for, but at the very least could get us going in the right direction. If there was a right direction. The hermit was able to confirm that these places exist and give us directions for how to get there. The journey would not be an easy one, but the route would not be too hard to follow, at least for the first leg. We knew a little more of the thing we were trying to find, but we still had a ways to go before we found it. If there was even something for us to find. As we went to bed that night, I could not fall asleep for some time. My mind was busy turning over all the possibilities and implications of the last few days, trying to piece together whether this was a fool's errand or not. Did I really think we stood a chance to find some mystical thing to bring into this war? Would it still be there when we got to its resting place? Would we even be able to use it? Wouldn't it be safer for us to continue on into the desert instead of wandering into this vast, unknown space where untold dangers lurked in every shadow? We had not yet agreed to help the druidess at this point yet. I was torn between wanting to continue and wanting to leave his hope behind for fear that the flame would go out and leave me with nothing to cling to. Sam, being far more familiar with my moods than most, sensed that something was bothering me, even as he lay back pressed against mine. What's wrong, Bib? I don't know what to do. Part of me wants to believe we can do this, the other part's arguing that I should be rational and choose the option with the highest chance of survival. What does your heart say? I don't know if it has an opinion aside from latching on to this insane hope of living to see a world where there is no war. That would take an extreme amount of luck, and I worry that most of my luck went to my still being alive. If anyone can figure it out, it's you. You're the smartest, most stubborn person I know. Even if this ends up being a fool's errand, we'll find a way to have it work to our advantage. It'll be okay. We'll make it okay. Now, stop fretting, and let's go get some sleep. I knew he was right, and I knew that staying up all night thinking over things again and again wouldn't solve anything. 
So I went to sleep hoping I would be better equipped to make my decision in the morning. The next day, we woke up to a cup of tea and a small breakfast of fruit and leftovers from our dinner the night before. We packed up camp and then helped the hermit load the last of his belongings into the cart. The druid has hovered and hear me for some time, glancing at me nervously as if afraid I might disappear if she looked away for too long. After half an hour of her starting to say something only to stop herself before she could say it, I told her she could stop worrying. Sam and I would keep traveling with her until we could get more information on whether or not this thing existed. She relaxed after that, and I could have sworn there was a new spring in her step. I ignored the voice in my head saying this was a bad idea, rationalizing that if things went sideways, Sam and I would be able to escape without issue. To my surprise, the hermit allowed us to keep a few of the history books that Sam and the druid had been studying, as well as a sort of dictionary for the old language. This would prove helpful for not only figuring out what to do next, but also having something to do. You have been listening to Ceasefire, the story of the end of a war that did not end the world. This story was written and produced by Brianna Jean as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network changing reality one story at a time. In this episode, you can hear the voices of Brianna Jean as Vivian, Zadkiel Basky Huff as Sam, Dustin Gray as the Hermit. You can support all of our productions over at patreon.com pseudonymsocial. To get more information on this or any of our other shows, check out our website at pseudonymsocial.com.